Welcome and thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. When it comes to evangelizing, one of the objections you hear a lot is, I don't know what to say. Well, we all have something. Here's First Press Executive Director Chris Pan as he introduces our guest speaker. Amen. Great to have you back, choir. Uh, if you don't mean, know me, I'm Chris Pan. I'm on staff. But I want to take this opportunity to introduce our speaker for today, Jason Waldrop. <clears throat> Jason is our uh, new Associate Director of Worship. Uh, he leads the 1111 service. He'll also be leading services at the uh, Vine campus when it opens up in downtown. He's also been working and training our youth uh, band downstairs as well. You maybe remember Jason from the Easter testimony that he gave uh, during the Easter service. Um, Jason was born in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Is anyone else here from Arizona? Resounding no, no also. Wow. Yeah, no oh, back here. There's one back here. I see you. <laughs> one. Um, his parents are longtime Kauai residents, uh, and he is half Korean and half Caucasian. Yep. So we're very excited for his mom to come here and teach us how to make kimchi. Promised it would be an upcoming Wacko class, we think. Yeah. Um, Jason came in to UH in 1995 and then stuck around for the rest of his adult life. Uh, while he was at UH, he was classmates with Marcus Ellis and Mary Chestnut Hicks. Um, Jason uh, recently graduated with his MDiv from Grand Canyon Theological Seminary. He joined staff uh, with his in February. Uh, he's going to be talking today about being a witness. I'm going to say, you know, Jason is just an incredible authenticity. Very, very excited to be sharing this morning. Please welcome Jason. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, it's such an honor to be with you. Again, my name is Jason Waldrop, and I am the Associate Director of Worship here at First Pres, and it's an honor to be here. Um, I'm pinching myself sometimes uh, when I'm here on Sunday. It's uh, so, such a blessing to be here. You know, today is our fourth and final week on our series on evangelism. And in this series, we've been asking the question, where is my church on Monday? How are we called to live out the rest of the week as the church, as the body of Christ? Today's message will be called, Be My Witnesses. Be My Witnesses. So please open your Bibles, physical or digital, to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and stand with me if you're able as I read today's scripture passage. Again, we are in the book of Acts, chapter 1, starting with verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach till the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. After he said this, 
He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. You may be seated. So here we are at the beginning of the book of Acts. This is the continuation of an incredible story. I say it's a continuation because most scholars agree that Luke wrote both his gospel and the book of Acts as one literary work. So what we are reading here is actually a continuation of Luke's gospel story. So 40 days had passed since Jesus' death, and we are still 10 days away from Pentecost, which is when the Holy Spirit arrives. Before Jesus ascends into heaven, he gives the apostles a command to stay in Jerusalem. Why is this important? Well, looking ahead at what happens on the day of Pentecost, many were gathered from all over to celebrate the festival of Pentecost in Jerusalem. With so many visiting Jerusalem, people that would normally not be there were there to witness the power of the coming of the Holy Spirit firsthand. On Pentecost, Jerusalem became the launching point of the Great Commission. So here we are 10 days before this actually happens. So let's look at what the apostles asked Jesus as he commanded them to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. They ask, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, this question is revealing. At this point, the apostles believe that the Holy Spirit will bring not just any kind of power, but a very specific power and purpose. Perhaps the power to restore a nation, a power that could fight against the persecution and injustice against them. And why wouldn't they want that? For years, they had been subject to the abusive powers of the Roman authorities. And let's not forget that these 11 apostles just experienced firsthand the terrible fate of their Messiah being wrongly accused, mocked, tortured, and crucified. So with this question, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? The apostles are trying to understand Jesus' plan. And they're hoping his plan is for them specifically. So here's Jesus, resurrected, hanging out with them. He's alive. He conquered death. But they were still unsure of what this all meant. After being subjected to so much persecution, we begin to see that their first question about Jesus' plan is really about vindication, maybe even revenge. With the coming of the Holy Spirit, will they now have the power to set things straight? to show the world that they were right all along? What the apostles are essentially asking with this question is, Lord, is the Holy Spirit going to give us might and strength to rise up against the Roman Empire and all those who wish to persecute us? Is it our time? Jesus quickly deflects that it is not for them to know. So he makes a grand statement here. But you will receive power. Holy Spirit comes upon you. You see, the apostles, were, the apostles were believing that this power is going to be something that could restore the nation of Israel, maybe a more collective power, but a power that was specifically for them, a power that would finally see Israel's enemies fall to their knees, a power that would bring ultimate justice. Jesus pivots. Jesus makes this personal, very personal. He looked at these 11 and says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
not the whole nation of Israel, not the priests, not the politicians, not the military. In this moment, Jesus is declaring that these apostles are being chosen to be the vessels of the Holy Spirit, chosen to both house and release the power that will change the world. And then Jesus tells them how he will use them. He reveals his strategy. What is his strategy? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And you will be my witnesses. What Jesus is saying here is radical. Jesus is revealing a grassroots movement that starts with these select few But somehow, in some way, this movement will reach the very ends of the earth. I mean, this was before planes, trains, and automobiles. Really, Jesus? Be your witnesses to the ends of the earth? That is a lot of ground to cover. But this is Jesus' plan. This is what's going to happen. To put it another way, the Holy Spirit is about to go cat video viral. And Jesus tells them how. He shares his strategy. My witnesses. Wow. Let's stop and think about that for a sec. Everything we know about Christianity, whether personally or historically, all the people who have been impacted by Christianity over the last 2,000 years, all of it starts right here. And how are they going to do it? What was Jesus' plan? And you will be my witnesses. But wait, Jesus, that's it? That's all it takes? Just be a witness? That's it. That's the plan. This is how Jesus, is, Jesus launches his movement, his ministry, and begins building his body, the church. But could this really be enough to spread his message, to build the church, just being witnesses? Yes, it is. Because by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm here to tell you today that your witness, your testimony, your ability to share what you personally have seen and heard Your stories are the most powerful tool for evangelism, the most powerful. How can I say this with such confidence? Because this was Jesus' chosen method, and look at the results. Look around you. This is how we all got here. This is how we all got here. Without this method, without this strategy, we would not be gathered in his name and sitting here today. The whole course of human history shifted and changed direction on this very strategy. Sharing testimonies, telling personal stories, just being his witnesses. And you my witnesses. These are the words of Jesus. This is his strategy for evangelism. So if this is Jesus' plan, then it would be wise for us to go deeper and break down what it means to be a witness. Let's actually define it. To put it simply, A witness is someone who can accurately describe or share what they have personally seen and heard. That's it. You don't have to learn a method. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have a seminary degree. What you have experienced, what you have seen and heard, makes you a witness. So being a witness is simply testifying to what you have already experienced. To understand this better, let's talk about being a witness in a different context. If you were a witness to a car accident, 
You were called to testify as to what you saw or heard in the court of law. What would they expect of you? Now, let's really think about this. Would you have to be a forensic expert in traffic accidents to be a witness? No. Would you have to have special credentials, having a degree in civil engineering to understand the roads? No. Would you need to be a certified mechanic to understand how cars work? All you would be expected to do is share what you had seen and heard. You are giving testimony to what you experienced. You are simply sharing your personal story. See, I think we often make evangelism harder than it is. There seems to be this idea that witnessing is more of a doing rather than something that we are, a state of being. But Jesus didn't say, you will do witnessing say that. He didn't share some new teaching and instruction about what to do. Jesus simply says, and you will be my witnesses. We don't have to win people to Jesus through argument or skill or through special tactics. We don't have to be brilliant apologists or gifted specifically in evangelism to be a witness. If you have given your life to Jesus, if by faith you have received him as your savior, scripture says you are a new creation. You've experienced something. In our passage, Jesus first spoke about the coming of the Holy Spirit, and then they would be his witnesses. Witnesses for Jesus are powered by the Holy Spirit. And Scripture also says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So I would like today to share three points about the freedom that comes with being a witness for Jesus. Point number one, that as a witness, you are free to be. You are free to be. Whether you have been a Christian for 30 years or 30 days, you have a story. You have something to share. Now, many of you may believe that your story isn't interesting, that you don't have a great testimony. Please don't compare your story to others you've heard. Just be ready to share. You are set free to be, to just be you. Please understand, when the Holy Spirit is involved in your story, there are no minor details, none. The smallest, most minute detail that you may think is no big deal or completely, completely uninteresting could be the very detail that brings hope to someone who needs it. A few years ago, I was on a plane, and I was sitting next to a woman who was very anxious as we were beginning to take off. So I started a conversation with her in the hopes of becoming a healthy distraction. After a few minutes of small talk, she apologized to me. She reached down into her bag, pulled out a bottle, and quickly popped some medication. I told her there was no need to apologize, that I understood what she was going through. I shared with her that I, too, myself had reached for that bottle many, many times. I shared one small detail of my story that aligned with hers. Then immediately, Doors of connection swung open. She began to ask me all kinds of questions. She asked me what kind of medication I took, whether I used brand names or generics, what doses and how frequent. I got to share in complete detail my struggle with mental health, my battles with anxiety and depression. Sharing one detail of my story that aligned with hers, I was able to share so much. Here's the best part. As I'm telling her about my medical history 
And then also sharing about how my spiritual journey with Jesus had brought me to new levels of peace and healing. She got very excited. I'm a believer too, she exclaimed. And this is when things got even more interesting. Her doctor had been recommending a new medication to her to help her with her anxiety. But she was determined not to take any more medication. She truly believed that Jesus could and would heal her and wasn't open to more medicine. But it was pretty obvious to both her and I in that moment that she was really hurting and she might need some additional help. I asked her the name of that medication that the doctor wanted to prescribe her. And get this, it was the very same medication that I had taken for over seven years. When I shared with her how that particular medication was a great tool for me, how by the grace of God, I was eventually able to wean off of it completely with no side effects, she couldn't believe it. One of her fears that kept her from trying this new medicine was hearing about how hard it was to get off. So now listen, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a pharmacist. Hear me clearly now. I did not suggest that she take or not take the medication. I simply shared my story. And in doing so, she began to sense something was happening beyond our understanding. There was suddenly a sense of presence. Jesus began ministering to her, and her fear started to subside. I believe that through my story, the Holy Spirit showed up in a mighty way to bring clarity and to bring peace. I was simply a witness to what Jesus did in my life. So again, point one is that you are free to be. Your story is full of details. It's full of twists and turns. And the Holy Spirit wants to use them all. Just be you. You're enough. The Holy Spirit will use you. The second point I would like to make is that being a witness means you are free from debate. You're free from debate. What I mean by this is that telling your story sets you free from having to debate or argue your point. You have nothing to prove when you are sharing honestly what you have personally seen and heard. Now, if you're in the business of telling other people's stories rather than your own, that leaves room for a dispute and argument. Testifying about, about what others have seen and heard, well, in the court of law, that's called hearsay, and it's inadmissible evidence. You see, sharing other people's stories doesn't carry the weight that sharing yours does. And if you share your own story, what you have personally seen and heard, you don't have to prove whether or not it's true. You don't have to convince others. Look, there are plenty of people on this island that can verify who I was. I don't have to convince or persuade people that I was an alcoholic and a drug abuser. There are many people who can testify to that. But I can share my story without having to prove anything because I know me. I was there. I know what it feels like to search for hope at the bottom of a glass bottle or a pipe. I know what it's like to hit rock bottom and not care about living anymore. And I don't have to prove that to anyone. I know it. I lived it. But here's the other thing. I also don't have to prove that I'm healed. I don't have to argue with others about how Jesus is real and what he's done in my life. I simply get to be a witness, to share my story, and sharing my story and sharing how the power of the Holy Spirit has manifest in my own life, it isn't up to me whether others believe it or not. I know it's true. 
No one can argue who I am and what I've experienced to me. And if I live out this new life that Christ has given me, it will be evident to others. I don't have to argue to be a witness. In fact, if I'm arguing, I'm probably not being a witness for Christ. If I'm arguing or debating, I'm probably trying to be a witness for me, not Jesus. If I'm arguing or debating, I'm probably more worried about being right than I am about being a witness for Jesus. Here's an interesting fact. The Greek word translated as witness in today's passage is martus. Does that word look familiar? It's where we get the word martyr from. A martyr is someone who makes the ultimate sacrifice for their faith. Isn't it interesting that the Greek word for witness is also the root word for someone who is killed for their belief? There's an element of dying to self that is part of this process, part of learning to be a witness for Jesus. I had a mentor early on in my faith walk um, who would say to me all the time and remind me, Jason, dead people don't get offended. Or that, Jason, dead people have nothing to prove. Paul the Apostle talks a lot about this. He says, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So as believers, we die with Jesus, and are made new with him, his resurrection, and our identity is now in him. If I'm busy debating others, trying to prove how right I am, always worrying about winning an argument, then I'm pretty far from Jesus' heart of mercy and compassion. We are called to love. Sharing your story is a way that God loves others through us. And after all, Jesus died for that person too. Debating or arguing the best way to communicate that? Now, don't get me wrong. There will be times when we have to defend our faith. There will be times when we should be able to explain what we believe and to stand up for those beliefs. I'm not saying that, is, that this is not important, because it is. What I am saying is that we are being his witnesses when we simply share our story. So again, point number two is we don't have to carry the burden of proof. We are free from debate. We trust that the Holy Spirit would use our stories to point to Christ. And the last point I want to make is this. As a witness for Christ, you are free to share. Being a witness means you will testify, that you will share. Later in the book of Acts, chapter 4 to be exact, Peter and John are being witnesses for Jesus, sharing their stories at the temple, and people are being moved and getting healed. The Holy Spirit is touching people through them. And the religious leaders are miffed and baffled that these ordinary, uneducated men are exhibiting signs of the Holy Spirit. So what do they do? They arrest them, and then their religious leaders demand them to speak no longer to anyone in Jesus' name. But here is Peter and John's reply. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen. Not help speaking about what we have seen. Look, as Christians, we are not called to plead the fifth. We're not supposed to be quiet on the sidelines waiting for the perfect or most comfortable opportunity. Like Peter and John before us, it should be hard for us to stay quiet. I believe too many times when we can relate or when we 
feel like we have something to share, we just plead the fifth. We decide that we don't want to say something that might incriminate ourselves or possibly offend others. I believe many people would actually like to share more, but don't feel empowered to do so. And like anything else, sharing takes practice. And we also learn, have to be better, learn, we have to learn to be better listeners, to actually desire connection with others through listening. You know, a great way to grow in hearing and sharing and connecting is in a small group Bible study. Starting next week, as Chris mentioned earlier, we will be in a six-week study in the book of Joshua, uh, and we are encouraging everyone to participate in a small group study. Participating in a small group is a great way to practice sharing your story. It's also a place to hear other people's stories as well, to practice listening. And you don't have to give your whole testimony at one time. And in fact, I discourage you from doing so, especially when you're part of a new small group. But as the Spirit leads, provides opportunities for you to share, you learn to step out in faith and talk about what God has done in your life. We need to practice being witnesses. We can all get better at it. And if you share your story, or even just part of your story, Never know what may happen. So please, don't plead the fifth. Don't choose to be silent, but rather be free to share. Tell people what you have personally seen. Challenge yourself to talk about what Jesus has done in your life. He will use you. He will use your story. And I'll end with this last note. You know, I know that life has its ups and downs, and it's full of peaks and valleys. Trust me, I know. It's literally a miracle that I'm here with you today. Literally a miracle that I've been given a platform to even speak. It's crazy to me. Um, And it can be really hard, though, to share or to connect with others when we are struggling. Many of you here this morning are going through hard times, but I just want to encourage you that no matter where you are in your story right now, no matter how difficult this present chapter of life may be, your story isn't finished. God isn't done with you. Your story is still being written. There are others, plenty of people around you, who have been where you are. You are not alone. This is why sharing is so important. It reminds us that we're all connected, that we all struggle, that we all hurt, but also most importantly, that we are all loved, that Jesus died and rose again, so that all of us share the same glory. Will you be his witnesses? Will you share your story? God wants to use you. There is no such thing as a minor detail in your story. With the Holy Spirit, he can use it all. Someone needs to hear your story. Please, be his witnesses. Share your story. God will use you. Let's pray. Lord, I just am so amazed by you. Your power. Resurrect new life 
to make beautiful things out of horrible messes. Lord, I'm a living, walking, breathing testimony of that. Lord, you've made my story glorious, and I'm so happy to be able to share today our room. Lord, I want to empower everyone in this room to remember and to believe their stories are important, their details by your spirit, give them more opportunities, give them the boldness to be situations, people that you have in their life. Maybe there's someone right now that you're speaking to them. I pray that for those that are going through a difficult chapter right now, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would come and comfort them. And I pray them you, that you would give them the courage to reach out and share their story community can come around them and walk with them, Lord. Call us to be together as your body. It's so important. Share in your Thank you for the stories that are being resurrected today, right now. I thank you for how you're comforting and assuring people right now of your story for them in this glorious, glorious, eternal ending that's being given. Thank you, Lord. Give us boldness. Give us your courage. Your witnesses all the ends of the earth. All God's people said amen. Amen. What a blessing to have Jason share his first sermon with us today. Amen. Thank you again, Jason. And as Jason shared so authentically and so tenderly, um, what is God saying to you? What does he want you to do with that? I invite you to think about those questions, to answer those questions today and this week. What is God saying to you? What does he want you to do about it? And let the Holy Spirit guide you. If you'd like prayer after this service, there'll be members of our prayer team in front of the cross and in front of the choir, choir risers. We invite you to come forward. But now, please receive this blessing. May the love of God the Father, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of Holy Spirit, be with you now and evermore. God bless you. Have a great week. Sometimes our stories reveal the hurt and needs in our lives. Those stories provide an opportunity for us to come alongside each other and lift one another up in this community we call Christianity. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at 45550 Kiona Ole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 930, and 1111. Follow First Prez on Twitter and Facebook. Download the First Prez app. Watch First Prez sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. And if you need more, call us at 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2019 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau.